0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Have you seen the uh,
1: most updated picture of my finished living
0: room? I saw one this morning. I don't know if it's the most updated
1: one, but... It's the most updated one. I officially have carpal tunnel, y'all, from all <laughs> <laughs> coats, the painting, the trim, the baseboards. Holding a nail gun is very heavy oh, and yeah. really difficult, but we did it and it looks so good. I've been told by some friends on social that it looks luxurious. <laughs> I love a good molding moment.
0: I do. It's a special moment. I don't think I want to work that hard physically anymore. <laughs> but I, like I literally, I get sore from sleeping. So like, <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: I worry mm-hmm. about that level of <laughs> effort involved. Yeah. I think I'm having to get all these kind of projects out of my system now because it gets harder the older I get. Like harder and harder. I was a doing a final second coat last night on the baseboards. It's probably 10 PM and I'm having to sit on the floor and I'm just like cutting in on the edge. because yeah. Also old baseboards, old floors. So it's impossible yeah. to tape everything off because sure. it's not going to be straight anyways. So I'm having to like steady hand it and I'm sliding my butt across the floor. And at some point, like the show we were watching was paused, so it was really quiet in the living room. <laughs> and you can hear, like, my butt bones, like, creaking and cracking on no. the floor as I'm sliding. And Brian was like, what was that? <laughs> like, it's my butt.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. We're not old at all. And yet, I don't know. My mom is so physically active mm-hmm. that yeah. I'm like... Did you just not give me your DNA? Like, (laughs) I'm confused at this point. Uh She's out there playing pickleball multiple days a week. She used to play tennis, like, all the time. She decided she couldn't do both anymore because the swing of one of the bats was, like, messing with the swing of the other. Oh.
1: Pickleball? Pickleball. (laughs) Pickleball. Yeah, one's more like a paddle. Pickleball experts at pickleball. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, no,
0: but the, the, I mean, the short of the matter is that one is way more of an actual swing and one's more of like a little hit, but she was like taking one from the other and she was starting to get like weird posture because she was like trying to do the wrong thing in the wrong sport and Mm -hmm. she was going to hurt herself. So Uh she had to pick one. Apparently, pickleball is the pick for now, which I'm whatever, Mom, but I don't know how she does it. I, instead, I have been saying nice and cozy uh-huh. and just reading like, well, that's my
1: job. you have been getting sore because i've been <laughs> I've been using you to to make me some graphics for some promos that I'm, I'm dude. Doing. What
0: do I do? I don't understand. I literally, I don't know if, like, being a CFO, if I just sit a different way you design than if I'm like like this, I, li- I know I dropped my shoulder. Yeah. I know oh, I'm, I'm like sure. this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but when we started working together, you put me in PT. I do. Pretty much immediately. Yep. I said, go now. <laughs> because I was screwing myself up from designing. Uh-huh. And, Since I've gotten a different chair and a different desk and all the things, it hasn't been a problem. until I
1: I was doing more design recently, and then I was like, "What is happening?" Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're gonna have to figure that out so you don't break yourself. Go back to PT. Get in the pool when, as soon as it's nice, you could do. Dude, I have. I never thought I'd be the person
0: who's like, I can't wait for pool season. Mm -hmm. Like, but genuinely, it is
1: the gap is too big. When are you putting in a heater then? (sighs) (laughs) is it is the whole thing (laughs) it's just
0: expensive and like I would and I don't actually know but I'm just assuming it would mean a lot of Taking up concrete and putting it back, but sure. I, I could be wrong.
1: I don't yeah. know. I don't know much about heating a pool. So I'm Me not going to pretend experts. like I know. Feel free to DM us <laughs> <laughs> box <Boss laughs> project and let us know. We'll take a sponsored pool project. We both benefit from that pool. So <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, Well, a couple of housekeeping things and then I want to dive in. As you all know, we have content out the wazoo, and if you haven't heard, we have... A shit ton of episodes here. We also have another private podcast, if you didn't know, called The Nugget that only our members of the Creative Template Shop get access to. And if you are a service provider who would like a little bit more strategies specifically on using marketing, branding, templates, and client workflows in order to grow your business, sustain it, make it a little bit more fun, polished, and professional, then I highly encourage you to go to creativetemplashop.com. Check out what we have to offer over there. You get access to The Nugget, which is a once a monthly private podcast that dives into more strategies. And since you obviously like listening to us, that's how you get more access to that good stuff. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about dysfunctions today. <laughs> I want to talk about conflict and experimentation. Let's fight about everything in this episode so people know how we encourage conflict. (laughs) Well, if you have
0: listened before, you might get the feeling that Emily and I tend to get along,
1: which we do.
0: (laughs) We do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I do think we have developed a good rapport where we We know how to push each other without, like, pissing Mm -hmm. each other off, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Which Which I think is a skill. It's a very healthy argument on the regular. Mm -hmm. But we are natural attractors to the (laughs) people-pleasing crew. Whoops. I don't know if it's because we're a Midwest company and, like, we know nice people and we like nice people and abrasive people tend to not be the kind of people we hire. I don't know. But regardless, we have a very nice, very kind team Mm -hmm. and we needed to shake things up and tell them to to make more
1: problems. Like here's what started it all. (laughs) Sure. For years, it's been just Abigail and I, right? Just us. And it's super easy to come to a consensus... When there's oh, totally. two people, like one yeah. person says their thing, the other person says their thing. And we're like, which one do you want to go with? That sounds great. 99% of the time, we are in agreement with each other. There are some things that maybe we are like the timeline we disagree with or like, oh, I want to try this instead. And yeah. it's been really easy for us to be like, okay, I'm open to that. Let's do it. Let's not do that. Whatever. Truly, when there's only two voices in the room, it's really, really easy to just pick one out of two decisions and move forward. Well, and usually one of you just is like tired of whatever, exactly. Whatever, it's like. <laughs> but then you add more voices, more yeah. cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, and it's really easy. And I already saw this starting to happen oh, like it was happening. two weeks into having a bigger team, that everyone was just looking to the two of us and whatever we would maybe kind of argue about, and then come to, and everyone was like, "Okay, I co-sign that. That sounds great. Let's do that." And I realized that, like, one of the key benefits of having a team is having multiple perspectives, multiple opinions, people who come from different experiences can look at something a different way. And that all aids to the decisions that we make here as a company. Sure. So we got recommended this book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And it's by, I'm not even going to. Patrick Lencioni, maybe. Let, let's that pretend. sounds pretty right. Yeah. And it's a leadership fable. So it's one of, I think I've mentioned this book already, but it's a business book, but written as a fable, as a story. And so it's really easy to immerse yourself in and really easy to understand the nuances of what they're really trying to teach you. And it's not just like, do this and do that and do this. It's a really, really great book. I've only experienced a
0: couple fable versions. And I am realizing that especially as someone who likes business as a form of entertainment, (laughs) it is a great way to learn something without Mm -hmm. having it be so textbooky, I guess. And so I've really enjoyed that kind of structure. But I haven't read the book yet. And I just heard Emily's take on it. But it really, to me, got us opening up opportunities to A, and probably primarily make it very clear to our team that Emily and I not only do not want to make every decision in the business, but we think it's actually a bad idea (laughs) that we make every decision in the business. And it's important that we have a healthy level of conflict as we think that that will really aid in us being able to bring the diverse kind of collective thought yep. together and then come to a conclusion.
1: One of the things that the book talks about, which is what I started seeing is this thing called artificial harmony. It's where you're in a meeting, you're in a Slack channel, you're in a strategy session, and someone is the founder, the key person in that department, and they're coming up with ideas or they're throwing spaghetti out on the wall. And everyone else is just like, sounds great. Everything comes from good intention, right? The team knows you by nature as the owner have more experience than they do in this business that will literally never change. There's also a hierarchy at play, which will literally never change. And they're as Comfortable as you can make it for people to express their opinions, which I believe that we do, it can yeah. be very difficult to do that without yeah. like a pointed effort of being like, no, now you need to disagree with me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think unless you like strategically poke holes, like it can be a little bit hard to pull it out unless you make it very clear that their opinion is important. Mm-hmm. And part of it has been. To me, I think one of the ways we've maybe forced this to happen when Mm. it would have been easy for them to listen is
1: we will intentionally try to speak last. Yes. Yes. That's one of the things I was going to say is like you opened up the floor the other day for brainstorming and I was the very last person to go because as soon as I share an idea, everyone is really just going to like pivot off of that idea. It's going to be really difficult to actually hear what do you really want to say, and that's what I want to hear. That's what's going to get us to like actually make changes that make an impact here. And so we created this policy based off the book. It's not something that we invented, but it's something that they talk about in the book. And I think it's one of the most crucial things that helps our discussions move forward. But it's also something that we honestly have to remind ourselves of often because intentionally choosing conflict is is not comfy it just isn't it's slower it's not comfortable but it provides better results and that's what we're actually going for so the policy really that we have in place now is called disagree and commit so we are no longer seeking consensus i do not need everyone in the room to agree and back my idea your idea someone else's idea it needs to be the thing that we're all going to yes commit to moving forward, even if we disagree that it's the best course of action. And I feel like that has happened more than once already. Oh, yes. (laughs) The interesting
0: thing is because there are, I guess I would call them almost like parallel perspectives. Like we could have chose this path or we could have chose this path and neither one is actually wrong. I think because of that, it's interesting to me how the parallel perspectives also create new ideation for the path you are on yes I don't know how to explain it other than like the conflict continues to help you ideate where you're at but also like draw you back and like it's a really interesting thing and and I think part of it is perhaps if you yourself or your team is conflict averse because, and there's insert a million and one reasons you might be conflict averse. Yep. Trauma and mental health can definitely be a huge aid in this, but even even if you have a very healthy relationship or relationships in your past, you can naturally have a less conflict averse personality right, type. Absolutely. So like, I don't think being conflict-averse is necessarily the trauma response all the time. No.
1: <laughs> not always. It Can it be? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. That's not Is what's happening. Everyone's okay. Everyone's happy. Everyone's doing good. We're moving forward. We all love each other. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Like, I mean... As a
0: uh, Enneagram nine, a peacemaker, literally my goal Mm -hmm. most of the time is to get everyone to get along. So to create conflict on purpose can be counterintuitive to how Mm -hmm. I actually operate as a human. Mm -hmm. But I have seen what it does and what it has opened up for our team. And so I'm willing and consistently willing to be uncomfortable on purpose to generate what it has. And, and I think there's a a unique way to go about it. So talk to me a little bit about if you're going to try to create conflict on purpose, like say in a meeting, like Mm -hmm. how might you pull it out of people?
1: Going back to one of the first and easiest ways to do this is to be the last person to speak if you're the founder, if you're the head of the department, the one leading the project, the founder, whatever it might be, posing the question and then shutting your mouth. It is the hardest thing to do, especially because I know you're so opinionated and you have amazing ideas, but they taint everything else that comes after you opening your mouth. You know that, they know that, so shed it. That's been one of the biggest skill sets I've had. It's just like, zoop, I might start typing in a private note the ideas so I don't forget them. But I truly, truly want to give other, other people the room. One of the other things that's been really helpful and one of the rules that we have within our own team is that we do not take disagreements offline outside of the meeting where that disagreement started, we can put a pin in it if we feel like we're just talking in circles and we're not getting anywhere, but we're not going to be like, okay, okay, yeah, I'll talk to Abby about this offline, which we've tried to do because we are still learning how to do this. And someone on our team called us out on it the very first time we were trying to encourage conflict. And they were like, Uh, why would you take that offline? Can't we just figure it out here? And we're like, yep, you're absolutely right. Because what happens is Abby and I would take that discussion. Her and I would have like our normal, comfortable, conflicty conversations that we're very used to having. We would make a decision and then present it to the team. And right there, that teaches our team that we don't actually value their opinion, that we don't want to hear what they have to say. And that we're just going to make the best decision anyway because we know more than them. And that's literally the opposite of what we're trying to do. And so it is a policy that you cannot take disagreements offline in our meeting. If a meeting runs long, it runs long. If you need to put a pin in it, you can. But another thing that that also helps prevent, especially if you have a team, you know, more than like three people, if there's four, five, six people on your team, offline discussions about conflict or disagreements tend to put people in really awkward situations. There's going to be one person who feels a certain way about the thing and the other person that they're venting to or talking to might feel a completely different way about the thing. Unless it's happening behind our backs, which it might be. It but might be.
0: I literally don't see anyone. Talking, no. Like, literally, if we're down with a meeting, like we're talking about our dogs and dinner and going for a walk, no. we're not talking yep. about the conflict ever. Want to learn exactly step by step how to get paid to generate leads in your business?
1: We've also employed, and and I really am trying to encourage our team to also have this philosophy, even outside of conflict, when they're on their own, when they're working in their own departments, a decision is better than no decision.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A action is better than perfect action. We talk about it like it's the messy middle. We talk about imperfect action, messy action, whatever it means to you. I need you to just make a decision because you're taking a first step. It's seeing momentum. It's getting the ball rolling that teaches you what you want to do next about that thing.
0: It's hard because I know we absolutely have people on our team that would rather feel a certain way or have certain things set up first or, oh, yeah, like really have the system down or what, like for sure, those people exist on our team. And Oh, we also just know that we're actually already slower because of the team. Yeah. And so if we allowed that to continue to slow down the process, yeah. things would take forever to roll out. And so I think when we kind of push people to just move forward. Does that mean sometimes we scrap an idea in the middle of it? Yeah. But like, generally speaking, we're also going to catch stuff sooner in the process Mm -hmm. so that they're not going down this long rabbit hole and spending all this, all these hours, all this time on a project before someone else sees it. And part of that I think is in addition to the purposefully like pursuing conflict, we also our I would definitely consider our art background and like going to art school and having critiques is a big part of our education
1: if you want to learn how to do healthy conflict go to a semester of art school and sit through like 30 critiques and you will figure it out (laughs) Uh but because of that
0: like the conflict no longer becomes personal it becomes about the work product and not about you and so we've also started to introduce more of this idea of critique and, and, you know, sometimes and not usually, but sometimes it's like a formal meeting where we actually go through a critique and talk about the presentation, ask the questions in in early states. Mm -hmm. But I think more often than not, in a more practical way, we use it on a day to day basis is don't get 90% through a project before you send it over to get feedback ideas. Like if you're stuck, like, let's move forward. And so you know, I can think of ten things in the last week yes. where I got a version that was fifty percent done or eighty percent done or whatever. And I promise you it helps people waste so much like less yes. time um, because yep. you know, for you, you sent an outline. You'd worked so hard on a keynote presentation. Closing is not your expertise. Not the thing. And so mm-hmm. I could read a whole outline and Come up with notes, but so can other members of our team, and so like it doesn't necessarily mean Emily did a bad job because she didn't finish the whole outline. Let people
1: pull the weight where you don't naturally pull it. We've talked about this before, where we're a team of collaboration, and because we are all so creative and and have such strong opinion, and we're all really, really, really smart and good at our zone of genius, that we like to add our zone of genius to every project as much as we can, and so I know like our program director or program manager, she buttons up ideas so phenomenally. She brings in the missing piece of what we haven't touched on yet in the entire presentation, including presentations that aren't even this one right here. And she's able to clearly see, well, we haven't really addressed or dug into this part yet. So maybe let's say this here at the end. And I think they need to hear X, Y, Z. And even that, like those bullet points or whatever is enough for me to be like, Make sense. I can like finesse it and finish it up, but it was that like branch that she gave me.
0: Yeah, and it's extending an opportunity. And I think in the past, especially if these people have been in other work environments, they're used to only presenting a finished product that yeah. is perhaps like maybe someone needs to read over it and it can go out. Right, but people could spend weeks or months on the thing yep. we'll if they have done don't like have that. feedback. We just don't have time. We
1: don't have time like that. No. So the other piece that's super important if you're wanting to introduce conflict into your team and in a healthy way into your processes, probably the key factor in all of this is not only yourself being the driving factor in promoting conflict, because whoever's leading this charge also has to be the one that's like, we need to fight about this. Like we need to actually discuss this. Don't just like agree because it's the first thing that someone said. But the key piece is making sure that every single member of that team is holding each other accountable, both in that meeting and outside of that meeting. So when I say in the meeting, I specifically mean we definitely have conflict in ad hoc meetings, in department specific meetings or whatever. But specifically where we all kind of duke it out with each other is our weekly leadership meeting. And it's where a lot of strategies are really talked about at the very beginning stages of, should we do this? And what about this? And what are the consequences of us taking this action? And we kind of all poke holes and offer different alternatives. And it's in that meeting specifically where I need the rest of leadership to hold every single member, including me accountable to not just agreeing and committing to being okay with disagreeing and committing.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's hard because sometimes you will, you will find a point where like, everyone already was on the same page and right. so you can't that, really that
1: happens. and you can't always force it no i also want to pose a different perspective to conflict even the word and what that could actually look like sure. in a conversation so you hear the word conflict and you can, i bet you're picturing in your head what this means like bickering or fighting or sure. i think that's a bad idea and here's why or whatever else mm, right yeah, no but truly like conflict can also be a very positive opportunistic posing of a question. And I'll give you an example. Many weeks ago, by the time you're listening to this, we had, I think it was a leadership meeting where we were just opening up the table of what are avenues that we haven't pursued in order to increase revenue in existing things that we already have within our company? What is maybe something that we've kind of forgotten about, or we should go all in on, or we should try. And of course, Abby and I's natural thing to do is like not think of something new as an inventing something, but like trying something new, a new, different way, like new, 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 right? And we had someone on our team who was like, y'all have this podcast, (laughs) the one you're listening to right now. And to me, Per the analytics that you share, it's like our best performer and we're getting in front of the most people, the most ear holes, and it's growing the fastest. So like, why aren't we doing something more with that? Have you thought about and they listed a whole bunch of ideas and it definitely steered us in a direction that we hadn't like readdressed, even though we've definitely looked at monetizing the show before and what that could look like. But it had kind of like gone to the sidelines and just one kind of posing question of like, how about this? Within a week, we had an entire project outlined. We had actually, this is the magic of like leaning into what's already working and just like kind of saying it out loud. Without us even pursuing, we had something within a couple of days in our own inbox to help the process that we didn't anticipate whatsoever, they came to us, and I'm not saying like the magic of the universe opened up. No, when, like, and, and often it would literally,
0: if that discussion happened, happened, it would have been like our ops person wouldn't have even turned like passed it on. It would. It wasn't that like the connection still wouldn't have been made. It's that we wouldn't have spent the time or energy on it. But because it was like a current topic of conversation, it was like, like, oh, "Oh, it's serendipitous. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Those things will happen. And often I, and I mean, maybe you guys don't get as much email as we do, but (laughs) (laughs) there's often opportunity that's just sitting and waiting for you anyway. And I don't know about you, but it's really easy to put blinders on and see just what your tunnel focused on. Yeah. And then when someone else opens up your periphery, you're like, oh, this thing over here. Oh, this thing mm-hmm. over here. I I'd, I'd almost forgotten this exists in my own universe. Yes, like, that's exactly what happened. And then it's never one person's success either, because you're creating this environment that allows for people to push on and push back and also be a part of the process at more incremental stages instead of one person owning the whole thing, you will find that when you have wins, like you're not like, oh my God, it's so-and-so. Like it's more of a collective team thing, which is really exciting because it takes multiple people to get across the finish line. And I know for us, it's critical that we have team players and we are more willing than ever to Look at people's skill sets and identify which piece should they own rather than assuming someone should own the entire process. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And again, goes back to collaboration where we all have our have and know our zone of genius and want to put it in the project where it makes sense. So I encourage you to not only pick up this book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It's a really easy read. They go through, the obviously, The Five Dysfunctions, like a pyramid of sorts. And it talks about the building blocks of what it takes for your team to tackle those steps. And what's really cool is they talk about, like, the step that you want to be, and then the opposing of that step. So when you're not living in that value or the function, this is the D de- this function. And it's really cool to see the parallel of like, oh, we kind of live in that one, but not this one. But they all kind they all have to work together in order to reach like a team that's working really well together in a healthy way. And it really pointed out for me that. Arguing is not bad. That, that's absolutely my mindset going into most things is conflict is bad and argument is bad. And I am also, as an Enneagram 3, by nature, wanting to be the most efficient at things, which in my brain equals the fastest at things. And to me, spending the time going through conflict or not making a decision today is the opposite of what I want to be doing because I just want to be like, we already made a decision. Let's just go. Like, Let's just do it. But hearing other people's perspectives, truly, like, we haven't taken the disagreement offline, but there are many things that are brought up in leadership meetings that Abby and I then, as the CEOs, will sit and be like, when, when someone said this, like, what does that look like for you? What is that, what if we did that? What does that mean? Yeah, it doesn't mean you still don't have to have additional right. discussions as but the owner. Like- big picture scheming of like, if we try that idea on for size, what does that mean? And how does that feel for you? And what does it mean? Because ultimately, everything for us comes back to building and designing and living in a life first business. And the only way that we can do that is by trying things on for size, even metaphorically, and seeing how it literally feels when we talk about having those discussions. Are we excited? Are we overwhelmed? Are we anxious? And we'll ask each other, Were you anxious because you're nervous, like nervous, excited, or like doom nervous? Like, which one is it for you? And a lot of that is subconscious conversations that we have learned to have with each other, but that we're trying to train our team to identify a lot of our business is shifted and move forward through intuition and through what feels in alignment and what's going to enable us and our team to live life first. And that's why those things are put through that filter. That's why the conflict is encouraged on the team, because ultimately that's that's the value that we need to live in. And so the book, I highly recommend encouraging conflict in a healthy way. I highly recommend. There were definitely some like rules that we set up at the beginning and some kind of policies that we put in place, some of those we shared with you today. But I can't wait to hear your conflicts. (laughs) Yeah, in a good way. Tell us how it goes. And I'd love to hear,
0: those of you who decide to read the book, what your biggest takeaway is, definitely send us a DM. We'd love to hear from you, hear more about how you're running your team, where you're running into issues with your team. We'd love to help. Send us a note over at Boss Project on Instagram and we'll chat soon. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op